the female dog handler is kneeling in front of her military working dog and she's in full combat gear and the dog is a vest and is ready to go and they're facing each other, they're looking into each other's eyes, paw on hand, etc. And it's that moment before they go into the battle. So it's their pledge to each other and it's also their pledge to our country. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, we welcome sculptor Susan Bahari to discuss her touching depictions of dogs and other service animals. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love Dog Words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. We welcome suggestions for topics and guests. Please download, subscribe, rate, and most importantly, share Dog Words. In addition to availability on platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Dog Words is now available on Amazon Music. Please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs. We're going out to shoot some video this weekend. October is Adopt-A-Shelter Dog Month. At Rosie Fund, we encourage you to make a difference in a shelter dog's life. You can do just that by purchasing one of our We Save Each Other t-shirts at bonfire.com. Use the link in this episode's description. All proceeds go towards supporting Rosie Fund's mission to help senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have a better life. On Dog Words, we recently interviewed Tom Soames, the president and co-founder of Pet Tech, the first international training center dedicated to helping pet parents and pet care professionals learn how to better care for their pets in emergency and in health. That inspired us to have a pet CPR training fundraiser to support Rosie Fund. There are multiple sessions with limited availability on Saturday, October 17th at Bar K Dog Bar in Kansas City. Go to rosiefund.org events. A link is in the description. For more information or to register, the cost is $50 with proceeds benefiting Rosie Fund. Thank you to everyone at Bar K who helped us put this together, and a big thank you to pet tech trainer Kyle Thibodeau. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today on Dog Words, we welcome... Sculptor Susan Bahari, welcome to the show, Susan. Hi. We heard about you from Anne Bossom, the author of the Stubby books that she told us about the work that you did on the Stubby sculpture, so I want to talk about that. But then in looking into your background, you kind of have a niche of being a, a voice through your art for dogs like Stubby. And animals like Stubby, who have really exemplified the human-animal bond. I want to learn more about that, but let's start with what is typically our first question with our guests. Are you a dog person? And if so, how did you become a dog person? What's your relationship with dogs? Yes, I have always loved dogs, have always had dogs, and actually showed my dogs quite competitively, my Afghan hounds, when I was from 16 to my early 20s. Had some champion dogs that I raised and trained and showed and did some breeding. So that's how it began. And Afghans are so majestic, even without <laughs> they are. training. 
They are. And, and, and by the way, they are quite smart. <laughs> They're smart enough to know that they don't always have to do what you say. Yeah. The, the dangerous kind of smart. Yeah. <laughs> Having show dogs, you obviously have to have an eye for the breed standard and how it presents itself. And that seems like it would fit in well with being an artist because you have to look at how that animal expresses themselves. What's the essence of that animal? Did you find that to be the case? Yeah, very, very on target. Yes. I, um, you know, I was very interested in knowing everything I could about how my breed and as I sculpted other breeds, subsequently how all breeds were supposed to look and always tried to capture that ideal of the breed and the standard. And so my eye was trained early for that, combined with a real passion for it all and uh, an ability to, to be an artist. I was fortunate to be able to combine all these elements together and do what I do today. We're going to mention several websites in this conversation today, and I want to make sure our listeners know that I will have links to all of those in the description, so you don't need to pause to write this down. Just click on the links in the description. But I want to encourage everyone to go to SusanBaharistudios.com, the webpage, to see examples of your many works. And it's not just dogs. It's it's a variety of, of animals and, and other representations. If you haven't already listened to our interview with Ann Bossom about Stubby, please go back and listen to that after you finish listening to this interview. The way, Susan, that you captured Stubby, I, I almost choke up, um, especially since I've seen the, and Ann and I touched on this a little bit, the stuffed version of Stubby at the Smithsonian. Your sculpture, your bronze, has so much more heart to it than the actual stuffed stubby with him doing his little salute that he was famous for. And you talk about the breed standard with showing dogs. He did not have a breed standard. He was a mutt, a beautiful mutt. Yeah, <laughs> that made it very interesting. And how did you capture that? Because I'm not sure there were there photos of him doing his salute. Um, yeah, there were. Um, first of all, I read Anne's book. And I always knew I wanted to sculpt Stubby, but after I read her book, I was obsessed by Stubby. It was like Stubby on the brain, you know? So um, I actually called her and introduced myself. And I, I asked her, I said, do you happen to know how Stubby actually saluted? Because I want to do a sculpture of Stubby. And that's how it all began. And because uh, there are different ways from a sitting or from a, up on the haunches, mm-hmm. which is how I did it. Yeah, you know, that was so interesting for me because, you know, I so wanted to catch his heart and his spirit, his intelligence, um, his strength, and make him sort of capture him on his best day. Mm-hmm. You yes. know what I mean? We all hope for that for ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I had pictures. I asked for, and I looked for all the pictures I could get. And I had them up on my board, you know, and uh, we could just glean glimpses from each photograph, little, little hints from every photograph. And then I went to some top readers and used them as a resource. I went to a Staffordshire Terrier breeder who has been doing this for over 40 years And she said, you know, Susan, I wish I had a terrier that looked like Stubby today because he's really what they should look like. So I then started to 
use photos of, of that breed, the more classic looking ones combined with Stubby's photos. And I found uh, actually a, a Staffordshire Terrier that was a model for at least taking the pictures because mm-hmm. don't think it's easy to get a dog to do a salute when they've never done one before. Yes, they can't all be stubby. <laughs> right. I mean, somehow we got through that. And then I was walking through Berkeley, and because I, I like to use live models, and I, I, I saw this dog that just said stubby to me, right? So I'm not shy. I, I've been known to accost, you know, people on the street with their dogs and ask them if I could use their dog as a model, and they always say yes. So the, the, these ladies came and they brought their beautiful dog and and she was also very helpful to me and uh, and it made sense because that dog was a rescue dog it was a stray so I thought some of that spirit is going to be in the dog you know yes. that's how it is that's how it is you feel like you get the spirit from these animals and these pictures and you try to put it together and hope it it just comes out and, and reaches people and does justice, you know? You definitely captured it with stubby. People who aren't in Connecticut can't just drop by and see it, but they can see it online. In oh, addition to place? stubby, one of your... Oh, uh, excuse me. I was going to say please. it's also at the AKC Museum of the Dog in Manhattan. So a casting of it is also there. That should give it a little bit more exposure. A little more exposure. Deservedly so. Yeah. I was also impressed by your bronze of Sully, the late President George Herbert Walker Bush's service dog. Mm -hmm. I wasn't familiar with him having a service dog. I didn't know about Sully. I knew about Millie because that was famous when he was president that they had Millie, the Springer Spaniel. But then when I saw an article on Sully, I remembered, yes, Sully was at uh, when... President Bush was lying in state. The, there was a, a famous picture of him with Tom Ridge laying there doing his, his last duty for President Bush. And then he moved on to, I believe, Walter Reed Memorial Hospital to continue as a service dog. How did that come about doing a sculpture of Sully? Well, I was watching. I mean, I'm a very patriotic person. I really love our country. And uh, when there's any kind of, you know, it's not a political thing. It's just loving the country. And and if there's anything important, I watch it on TV. And I was watching the funeral of, of President George H.W. Bush. And I was so moved by it all. And, and then I saw that dog because I didn't know he had a service dog either. And when I saw that dog, uh, the sitting there uh, and just looked at his expression, I just thought, oh, my God, that dog is just beautiful. And and he's just, he just seems so noble, and he just looks like he understands everything, and he's feeling it. Yes. And I just, I just said, you know what? i got to sculpt that dog. I know I have to sculpt that dog. So I actually approached um, America's Vet Dogs, and uh, – I said, you know, um, I'm in love with your dog. <laughs> and I, I have a real mission to try to raise awareness and support for our service animals. And I think that Sully would be the perfect choice for a bronze 
that we could do that and, and perhaps put it in the in Bush Library. And they agreed. They thought that would be fantastic. And then they spoke to the Bush Library. Uh, they had a relationship because of the dog that they had already t- you know, teamed up with the president. And they loved the idea. And the Bush family is very dog-friendly family. Yes. So um, it was such an honor to do it because, I mean, you know, to show that special bond between such a, a president that, you know, has such a high standing in our country um, and, and, and yet was being so, so humble and, and, and open enough to share that, yes, indeed, I do use a service dog. And, and that said so much. And then to be able to have the honor to do it and have it be at his presidential library where it is at College Station, Texas, it, it was just a stunning Setting thing experience that high profile exposure hopefully will help others who need service dogs reach out and ask for help, but also let people know that there are causes you can support to help those in need get the dog that's going to allow them to have a better quality of life. Oh, I mean, definitely, and these dogs change people's lives on so many levels uh, whether it's veterans or civilians um and and you know sometimes they literally save their lives physically and emotionally uh, they save people's lives so they do so much and you know yeah we've (laughs) talked about that so often on our show but specifically with stubby what he was able to provide in europe for those soldiers, but then also after they came back to have stubby at the reunions, at those events, just sort of changes how you're coping with that trauma. And they didn't call it PTS then, but obviously they suffered with it just as all veterans and first responders and people in traumatic situations who aren't in the line of fire, but can cope at least a little better, if not a lot better with the help of a service dog. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, it wasn't just dogs that have done that in history. It's so many animals, of course, that I know well, we may talk about the National Service Animals Monument. Yes, I wanted to but, get to uh, that. Yeah, and there are so many animals that have served us and continue to serve. Um, and uh, they also raise the morale in, in most cases no matter which war you talk about. They, yeah, I want to make sure we do home. get get to, while we have time, the National Service Animals Monument that you're involved with. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, this is going to be our country's first monument to serve all our service animals and their handlers. It's the first in the world, really. I've done so many monuments to our war animals across the country, like in France and across the world, you know, here and abroad, like New Zealand, Australia, France. Um, I've, I've done war animal monuments, and it was stunning to me that we didn't have one here yet in the United States. We've had a lot of dog, war dog monuments, and I did our country's first war dog monument yes. in 1994, and a lot of them since, but not to all the war animals. So, you know, I just um, was so, uh, I, I, yeah, now's the time. Now is the time that we have got to do this, and not just to our animals that serve in the military, but in law enforcement, search and rescue, and as assistance animals, and guide dog pairs. And, and the monument 
honors all of this and also has a component, which I've never seen anywhere, to raise awareness and support for our shelter animals. Uh, And so uh, there's a lot about compassion in the monument, and it's going to be a great source of education and entertainment, and I think inspiration for children and adults and everybody who will come and see it. We're currently looking for the best location, a city for it, and uh, I'm a sculptor for the monument, and I, it was my idea to bring it forth. We have a charity called the National Service Animals Monument Charity out of San Francisco that is taking the lead with that. And uh, we have, we also have, I also brought the purple poppy symbol to the United States. The We're purple poppy pin I had not heard of until, again, doing yeah. a, a deep dive on you, Susan. So I'm, I'm yeah. so glad I did. Most people are familiar with the poppy and how after World War I, that became a, a symbol of a remembrance. I was not familiar with the purple poppy and the purple poppy pin, which people can purchase online. We'll tell them where to go. I'll, there'll be a link for that in the description. But can you tell us a little more about the purple poppy? Absolutely. Um, it has been around in Australia for, uh, I think, since 2003, as the symbol for war animals. And in other countries such as New Zealand and the UK, uh, generally for all the kinds of war animals who have served. And and that uh, hints that it's also to the handlers because they don't go into battle alone. It, it's a team effort. But it's really for the animals. And so um, I was asked by the Australian War Animals Memorial Organization, who started this, Nigel Alsop, with his organization, if I would bring it last year to the United States. And I'm thrilled to be doing that. What we're doing now is I basically we're using the pin as a way to, and I want to back up for a minute in our country. However, it also represents all kinds of service animals, just like our monument does. So it throws a wider net. And in fact, now Australia is going to be doing the same. (laughs) We're, we're learning from each other. So, Good so national service. Yeah. So, and we get inspired by each other is the truth. So um, certainly inspired by their work. So the National Service Animals Day is February 24th. And it, it coincides with the other countries who also represent the purple poppy for the service animals. So um, that's our international day, February 24th. And we're starting to bring it to the attention of schools so we can educate children and all. And when we sell these pins, the proceeds go completely to the construction of our National Service Animals Monument. And it's a beautiful Uh, pin. Oh, thank you. I I did design it. Um, I did not uh, know that. Good job. Yeah, I did design it. It was the first pin I ever designed. (laughs) And... um, People really like it when they get it, and and it's got the horse and the dog and the homing pigeon on there. So it gives you know all in a circular design logo kind of thing. The other wonderful thing about this that we're doing now is we're selling it to groups like your group or any group you know uh, that wants to buy it wholesale and then make money for their organization and further raise awareness and support for our service animals. So that's the other piece. If anyone would like to get it directly, again, in the description will be a link for 
ordering the purple poppy pin and any organizations when you use that as a fundraiser it helps multiple causes it will help raise money for this and you can raise money for your organization particularly if it's one that helps shelter animals service animals we keep talking about the handlers and the bond that humans have with their animals coming up here in a couple of weeks you're going to be in Washington DC is that correct uh, I'll be at Arlington uh, Cemetery Arlington oh, so National technically Cemetery Virginia. In, the, in the DC area yeah for the Chicago. for the pledge which is yeah. another beautiful work you just you you have obviously a lot of skill but uh, I differentiate talent from skill that you have to be able to apply a skill to have the basic gifts to to create a work of art but then to have the talent to make it really speak to people you you definitely have that talent susan and it's i can't wait to see the final piece because i just see your artist renderings and i'm very excited for for the final piece what can you tell us about the pledge well, um, I was commissioned by the United States War Dogs Association to do this in honor of our female military working dog handlers. And they are a premier group that does so much for our handlers, both, you know, an active duty, giving supplies to the dogs, as well as when they get home, uh, finding homes for them and giving them medical care. They also sponsor monuments. So um, we felt strongly that it really had to show the bond and uh, wanted the face of this woman, it could be anybody's face, you know, to speak to as many people as we could through this piece. And i um, very excited about it. It was, a, it was hard work, but it was, I, I, I have to say, I, I hope people are happy with it. I, I certainly gave it my all, and I think uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting to have it out there. It's, it, that is the representation is the female dog handler is kneeling in front of her military working dog. And she's in full combat gear. And the dog is a vest and is ready to go. And they're facing each other. They're looking into each other's eyes, paw on hand, etc. And it's that moment before they go into the battle. So it's their pledge to each other. And it's also their pledge to our country. It's, it's, it's their pledge to all to protect and defend our country, but to also to each other because they're just bonded. And I think um, the peace, you can really feel it from the peace and uh, worked hard on that to achieve that. But what's wonderful is that that's, that's what you see. That's the representation. But it's to move people to see the bigger picture because this is really to the work all women have done in the military throughout our country's history. All the service and sacrifice all women have done in all the branches and all the jobs that they do. And so we have a very beautiful quote on the base, and it's to all women of the military, past, present, and future. And it's going to sit in those hallowed halls of the Women's Memorial, which is the largest in the the only major memorial for, for our women, which is actually the gateway to Arlington National Cemetery. It's the neoclassical curved building that is the entrance and gateway to Arlington Cemetery. And it's the first bronze they've ever brought into their memorial. So I'm 
I'm as an artist, this is a it's a remarkable and I'm very humbled by this. It's a very powerful thing. You you you, you deserve to be proud of of the work you've done, and I'm moved by your words, and I'm moved by the sketch of this. So based on the bronzes that you've done, I can't wait to see what the bronze of this is when it's unveiled on October 17th. So anyone who visits Arlington on the 17th of October or later, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to um, those who have served our country, both human and canine and um, all the service animals to go visit uh, this statue. Oh, thank you. And they're a wonderful museum. Uh, and you'll just get, it's a memorial, but it's a museum. So it's really worth checking out. You've done other works uh, for service animals, uh, canine and otherwise. People can, again, check that out on, on your website. Are there any works that uh, you want to share with our, our listeners that uh, are just special meaning to you? Obviously, they're all special, but just anything in particular that stands out for you? Well, I think, you know, they're like, they're like your kids, you know, each one's like one of your kids, you know, but I would, what immediately came to my mind when you said that, since we're really heavily discussing these kind of memorials, was the one that I actually was commissioned to do by the Australian War Animals Memorial Organization. It was the first World War uh, One War Animal Memorial. And to all the animals, the 9 million animals that died in the Western Front in World War One, and That's a I shocking number. Oh, it's, it's so... And, I mean, you know, I, I did a rising horse for them, and I also did a dog head. And the rising horse, which... You can see back there. <laughs> the Rising Horse is on my website. It's called Emerging Spirits. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it depicts this rising horse with a flying mane. And in the mane are sort of the spirits of all the animals that served in World War One. There's the donkey and there's the mule and there's the dog and there's the um, carrier pigeon. And they're all part of the horse's mane. And then the other one is a dog head. That one is for all the Australian animals, but the dog head represents every animal on any side that served at that time. And his tag says, our spirits live on. It's a bust of a, of a German shepherd. And there are other monuments in that. But, but what's so stunning about it? I don't know how much time we have. because oh, you, you have could, all the you, time you need. I could talk to you about this. Is, this, this is fascinating, hours. yeah. But <laughs> I just have to say that that site, it's, it's in Pozier, France, which is just about an hour and a half northeast of Paris. And, you know, when you drive through this farmland, you see so many cemeteries, mm. you know, from the fallen who've, you know, made the sacrifice. And uh, it's very moving. And then you get to this little town of 200 people, Pozier, France, and you see... This vast field is just a vast field with just little buildings and little town. And in this field was the battlefield where thousands and thousands of Australians lost their lives in World War I on that field alongside their beloved animals. They relied on their horses, their mules, their donkeys, and 
you know, they were lost in that field. And so to have this monument placed right there, uh, also by a very significant windmill site there, is very special. There's some flyovers people can see on my website. Just take your breath away. Yes. I mean, you just look at that. And just being there, I can't describe it. There was a feeling. You just felt a spirit there. And um, there were some remarkable things that even occurred at the ceremony. That, I mean, people will go, there's that artist talking, but, you know, there just were some remarkable things. For example, uh, maybe I'm going on too long. No, but, but <laughs> remarkable just, things that you see that people dismiss because you're an artist, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. It means because you're an artist, you were open to seeing something that perhaps others that's were true. not. Thank you. Thank you. For. Well, and even other people were elbowing me and elbowing me. We were looking up at the sky. And as Nigel Alsop, the president of the Australian War Animals, so spoke so eloquently about th- this amazing service and sacrifice of our, of our soldiers and their animals, uh, he also recalled, well, well what happened was uh, we looked up in the sky and an airplane was making a... You know, what looked like a V, but it was, we don't know. We saw the streaks in the air. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the gentleman next to me said, oh, they have an airplane making a V for victory, right? And then another plane, coincidentally, crossed over it and made an A. It was totally a coincidence, but there was a giant A. And everybody turned around and looked, and Nigel turned around and looked and got choked up because... First of all, it turns out he only found out three years ago that his very uncle, one of his great uncles, had served on that battlefield and died trying to save mules on that battlefield. And his last name is Alsop with an A, right? Yes. And there's Australia with an A and animals Animals. with an A. And it was just, I mean, between the bagpipes and the poetry and the scenery and the things that were going on, it was truly it was really one of the most remarkable experiences of my life. If I just, knowing how amazing it was, I would have never forgiven myself had I not gone. It you were was where truly, you needed to be? It was meant to be, yeah. It was beautiful. You're probably consumed by the upcoming events that uh, are at Arlington here in just a couple of weeks. Can you look beyond that? Is there something on the horizon. What's next for you, Susan? Well, uh, yes, there always has to be something on the horizon. (laughs) Um, Well, I would say the most major thing, but that's going to take a couple years or so, is the National Service Animals Monument. But before that, I will be doing a uh, National Search and Rescue Monument that uh, I've been wanting to do since 9-11. And... uh, it's only taken 19 years, but, you know, if that's okay. Because, uh, you know, the, those people that's, that do that kind of work are volunteers, and they're amazing. And they maybe recognition. it's taken this much time because that's the time that was needed to do it right? Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I, I hope so, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's the search dog, the National Disaster Search Dog Foundation that's commissioning it, and uh, they're quite an organization in Ojai. I'm sure you're familiar with Thunderdog. I have heard of Thunderdog. Uh, it's uh, 
book about a golden retriever service dog that a blind man had who was in one of the Twin Towers. Oh, yes. And got him yes, out of yes. the Twin Towers. Anyone out there who has not read Thunderdog, and I don't know if that's, I, I'm, I'm going to take a moment here, just Google to make sure that I'm going to give the full title of the book. And hey, guess what, people? I'll link to it in the in the description. Thunderdog, the true story of a blind man, his guide dog, and the triumph of trust. And it's it's an amazing story, even if it didn't have the 9-11 element. And then you include that, and it's 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 a must read for anyone who's a, a dog lover, mm-hmm. and certainly anyone who wants to know more about service dogs and the commitment they have to their companion and their companion to them. So, by all means, everyone check out Thunder Dog. Well, um, I, I I could add something to that. Please, as some of your listeners might know. There was a dog that died, a service dog that died, basically in the line of duty. The only dog that died 9-11 was Sirius. He was a bomb-sniffing dog of a retired officer uh, from the Port Authority in New Jersey, uh, David Lim, David W. Lim. And uh, sadly, he was in his crate in the World Trade Center in the basement at the time because David was called to help and he actually he almost lost his life but he saved so many lives as several people he sort of helped navigate them through wreckage to come to safety but sadly his dog was lost in that wreckage because he was down below in a crate and so in our national service animals monument one of the individual monuments that represents all of law enforcement and 9-11 is Sirius himself and Sirius is sitting, and he's looking up at a beam from 9-11 with a flag on it. And that's how we're going to remember him. Yeah. Obviously, he deserves to be remembered. And I cannot yeah. thank you enough for giving voice to these dogs, these other animals. Obviously, they're special to us. Yeah. And uh, deserve to be remembered. Thank you. Thank you for, for caring to do these podcasts and for letting me speak about it and for being sensitive <laughs> because we all need to be compassionate people, you know, and our animals bring out the best in us, I think. Yeah. And, and this, of course, is not uh, original with me, but um, I think we all know anyone who's a dog lover that we aspire to be the person the dog thinks we are. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. Um, if your dog doesn't make you a better person, then you are not giving enough attention to your dog. That's very it's well said. It's not the dog's fault. I can tell you're a very true dog lover. <laughs> I am. And uh, I know all our listeners are, so that they're going to check out your website. They're going to follow you on Facebook. Because, of course, on Facebook, you're going to share the photos from the unveiling. Yes, of, of the sure. pledge. So that's going to be the easiest way for people to keep up with that. Those links will be in the description. Thank you again, Susan, for the work you do and taking the time to share your stories with us. And uh, we look forward to having you on again. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Susan Bahari for joining us today. The description for this episode includes a link to Susan's studio where you'll find photos of many of her works. There are also links to her Facebook page and the website for the National Service Animal Monument, their Facebook page, and the purple poppy pin honoring all animals who serve in the military, law enforcement, and other service animals. There's also a link to the Amazon page for the book we discussed, Thunder Dog, The True Story of a Blind Man, His Guide Dog, and The Triumph of Trust. Please consider choosing Rosie Fund as your Amazon Smile charity if you order the book through Amazon. Next time on Dog Words, author Mark Cushing talks about his book, Pet Nation, a love affair that changed America. Again, Pet Tech CPR sessions to benefit Rosie Fund are scheduled for Saturday, October 17th at Bar K Dog Bar. Go to rosiefund.org slash events or click on the link in the episode description for more information or to register. Make a difference in a shelter dog's life by purchasing one of our We Save Each Other t-shirts at bonfire.com. The link is in this episode's description. All proceeds go towards supporting Rosie Fund's mission to help senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have a better life. A big thank you to Alternative String Doe of the Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Also, check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share Dog Words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions at rosiefund.org, and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other. 